Welcome. You are about to enter the Door to Eternity podcast with your host, Jesse Carter, who provides you with a rare viewpoint of end times prophecy explained by a normal everyday guy who guides you down a simple roadmap toward taking advantage of your eternal destiny. You're standing at your door to eternity. So come on in and join us. Welcome to another episode of Door to Eternity. I'm your host, Jesse Carter, and I would like to welcome you here today. We've got a lot to discuss. I think uh, it'll be very interesting. And if you're just new starting with us, we're actually talking right now, discussing the book, The Revelation in the Holy Scriptures. That's the last book of the Bible, number 66, if you can believe it. If you know anything about numerology in the Bible, six is the number of man. So I think you'll see in this chapter, this book, actually, it will cover man quite a bit. And when I say man, I mean male and female, men and women. Certainly discuss the door to eternity during this time frame. And of course, in other episodes, you know that the door to eternity is, of course, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and we'll talk more about that as we go. It'll kind of give you a glimpse into his personality. It'll give you a glimpse into the future uh, like no other book in the Bible, like really no other prophecy book at all. We'll begin to just look at the scripture and what it has to say. Now, I'm going to step back a little bit from what I've been doing. Let me first say that In episode 9, this is where we start off the book of the Revelation. Of course, the Revelation means the revealing. It means, who is it revealing? Well, it's revealing Jesus Christ as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that's what this book really is all about. In fact, if you look at history in general, it's really his story, really, in that sense. His meaning God, meaning Jesus and we'll read the scriptures to you. Now, this is the only book. Go back to episode 9, and it will begin this whole process in this one book. It is the only book in the Bible, probably anywhere, where you will get a blessing from God just by hearing it spoken to you. You will also get a blessing by reading it. So if you would like to go and read it on your own, feel free to do it. What I'll be using is the Prophecy Study Bible, and it is specifically the King James Version, and it will be the Tim LaHaye Prophecy Study Bible. You can get it in any bookstore. You can go online and get that. It's called the Tim LaHaye Prophecy Study Bible. It gives you some little excerpts explains what you're reading to a great degree. Tim LaHaye was a great scholar. He was the one that helped create the Left Behind series in the movies and the books, although I didn't agree 100% with what he expressed in those books. I would probably say about uh, around 95%. So uh, he's pretty accurate from my perspective, but everybody has to kind of take a little bit from this book. You don't know exactly everything about this book or exactly what's being portrayed. Some of it is kind of 
exactly true just as it's written and others it's paraphrasing and others it's kind of stating some obvious facts from back in those days and we don't know what it looks like in these days remember john the disciple of christ is writing all of this down from his perspective yes he's getting it from god he was asked to write this down and he's getting it from god himself but you know humans god does give you some leeway not to say that i don't believe this bible 100 percent. i do but you have to take the transcriber's perspective into play he was back in the first century we're in the 21st century you get my point uh, what he may have saw back then in the future how do you describe a helicopter you know how do you describe an armored tank it could be horses and chariots to him who knows how he describes things and we'll try to look through that so every listener every reader has to take that into perspective you have to look at that and going okay i i I know what he's saying here but how would it appear from his eyes in this modern day and age and now sometimes i believe when it says they're going to be these hellacious locusts that come out from the bottomless pit that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be some, I know some authors have said, yeah, that's a helicopter, but and he, the, what it, the fire comes from the, uh, the rockets and the, you know, machine guns that it's shooting out, you know, from it. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but probably not. It's probably really is a hellacious, you know, hurtful, mean locust of some sort, uh, bug or some kind of creature if you will, that's going to hurt you. So you'll see that in these chapters of this book as well. So I'm going to start off chapter 2, and chapter 2 starts with that first church. Remember, there are seven churches here, and we're going to start on the first one. And remember, that goes back to the very first church type. Uh, There is an actual place in Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey, where this, you know, church was founded and built and had people from that area and the first one was Ephesus so here it is Christ's message to the church of Ephesus Uh, keep in mind you know Christ uh, means Messiah and so that's what we're seeing when we read the word Christ Uh, it's really Jesus the Messiah so Jesus Christ is what a lot of people refer to because that's the christianized name but anyway so verse one when i read this i will put it in quotes and when it is in double quotes that means that jesus is talking the lord is talking and it in this bible that i'm reading it is actually in red script script so you can see it if you're reading alone so let me start off verse one quote double quote unto the angel of the church of ephesus write these things saith that holdest the seven stars in his right hand who walkest in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks i know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou hast can't i know thy works 
and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted nevertheless i have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else i will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the nicolaitans which i also hate he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god now we're going to go on to the next church i should say end quote now we're going on to the next church starting in verse 8 that was verse 1 through 7 we're going to start in verse 8 and i'm just going to keep reading i'll save my comments until later but it starts off with the church of smyrna and unto the angel of the church to Smyrna write, These things hath the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now that's ends verse 11. We're still in chapter 2. That was And, of course, that was Jesus talking there. I didn't say double quote, but that was Jesus continuing to talk. And we'll continue on with him, starting in verse 12. He's still talking. And he's sending a message to the church of Pergamos. So, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, 
even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in this stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that received it. Now I'm going to continue on with verse 18. Jesus Christ is still talking. He is sending a message to the church of Thyatira. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like the fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which callest herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put up I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Double end quote, end quote. 
So that's the end of chapter 2. And we still have some other churches to go. But those were the earliest churches. And I mentioned to you that um, these are in the beginnings of the Christian faith. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right at the start of the Christian faith after Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected and was actually seen by dozens, if not hundreds of people afterwards. Uh, so, you know, this kind of gives you the idea. Now, I thought it was interesting. You'll see in this book that I'm reading from, there's a meaning behind these church names. It was kind of neat. So let me go over those real quickly before I get into the discussion of this one chapter two that I just finished. Ephesus, the meaning is desirable. So Ephesus means desirable and its characteristics had faith and patience and doctrinal truth, meaning it stayed with the truth of the doctrine, the Christian faith at that particular time. Now, You'll see that Jesus rebukes and exhorts this church. And he says that they have strayed from their first love, which is of himself. And he should know, um, since he searched the hearts of these churches and the peoples thereof. Now, and he gives a promise to the folks at Ephesus. He says, I will let you eat of the tree of life. If you stay true to him. So let's look at Smyrna. Smyrna, the meaning means myrrh. M-Y-R-R-H. You know, a spice, the spice myrrh. And the characteristics of that church were martyrdom and persecution. And that's when they started being persecuted and killed for their belief. Why? Because they were upsetting the gods of their day. The gods with the little g. And people that followed and worshipped these gods with the little g were upset. They hated, started hating the Christians. Now, let me stop right there. And I'm going I'm to tell you the behind the scenes on martyrdom and persecution. It is pure hate, pure evil. The people behind it are also uh, being influenced by demonic uh, creatures, if you will. And these demonic creatures influence their behavior and they can possess them for sure. And we know this for a fact. It's several times in the Bible people were possessed. They had great strength. They uh, exhibited such strength that they could break metal chains uh, and they all the kinds of nasty, evil talk. Uh, they blasphemed against God and against those that loved God. And they were usually nasty. I mean, human in appearance, you know, but nasty. They never washed. They never, you know, cut their nails, that kind of stuff, to where you think they were half human. Uh, they were feral beyond belief, you know. And so behind every one of these things, um, there was a book that came out years and years ago, and it was called This Present Darkness. And this, it was, I forget the author's name off the top of my head, 
I'm trying to think, but you could probably find it on uh, an online bookstore, but it's called This Present Darkness. And in it, the author describes in a very um, fictional way the fallen angels, the demonic forces, the evil beings that are behind the conversation in a fictional sense. Uh, but he bases it on Bible, of course, and it gives you a glimpse on, goodness gracious, these people, are they have all sorts of machinations going on, all sorts of ways they want to destroy Christianity, destroy the individual, destroy people, and keep them from coming to what they were meant to be, to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of the Lord forever as a friend you know, if you go back to Genesis, why did God create mankind to be a friend with him? He wanted someone to have friendship with. Now, he didn't have that with the angels. The angels are, they obey, at least they are supposed to obey his commands, and they carry them out, much like a marching army. You obey, and if you don't, there's punishment. Well, we know a third of the angels fell because they didn't want to obey God, his commands, what he was telling them to do. And, of course, they followed Lucifer, which was the epitome of the angelic forces. And because he was Lucifer, he was privy to all sorts of things that God had, so naturally he thought he could become God himself, and you'll see this in this chapter, this book of Revel the Revelation. You'll see him once again try to uh, reach beyond the heavens to put himself in God's place, and how he got this delusion, I don't know, but we have smart people to this day. I mean, we have people that are so brilliant and beyond me, of course, beyond you, perhaps, and they are at the Mensa level. They are the 1% of the 1% of smart people, but you can't fathom how stupid they are in so many things, maybe even acting out as childish people. They are super smart, of course, but they can't grasp what they are doing sometimes. They can't grasp wisdom which is of course different than being smart so perhaps maybe that's what lucifer was at one point and then he fell and became satan or the devil as many call him and he has other names that we'll d discuss here in this book but uh you just don't know how delusional they can be and we're going to talk about delusion a little bit too i've come across some things that i think with this AI technology, this artificial intelligence technology, and how fast it's being done, we're going to see some things about it that are going to delude people. It's going to make people think it's the truth when it's almost 100% a lie. We're seeing this more and more in this day and age where you hear stuff on, quote, the news uh, or from some, quote, respected authority and they've done nothing but lie to you. And they present it in such a way, uh, such a fashion that it's believable, almost believable. 
and until you know the real facts. And good case in point was this COVID uh, program that was outrolled uh, or a good case in point was COVID when it hit everybody. We were told don't use ivermectin. You know, that's a horse paste, a horse medicine. It doesn't work on people. Then you find out later that it had only been given to about 2 billion people on the planet, that it was harmless for the most part, and it could actually halt the, halt the progression of the whole disease almost, I don't want to say instantaneously, but very quickly. So we were told that it's, it's not effective, that you need to take this clot shot, as some people refer to it, and, and I say that because if you've experienced and seen people just collapsing on TV, you know, strong uh, athletes just collapsing because their arteries have been clotted up with this nonsense, this whatever's in that potion. So anyway, you'll see this more and more as we go through the scriptures There'll be more delusion, stronger delusion. And in fact, that's one of the signs before Christ comes back for his church. He comes back for his bride, which is what the church is, his bride. And before he does so, there'll be a falling away, an apostasy, as they call it, meaning that the church even will believe uh, doctrine is not sound, that doctrine couldn't be altered, that doctrine that is supposed to be 100% true can be looked at with some interpretation. And some uh, churches, even to this day, are talking about God being a she. I don't know why they would be doing that except to mislead people. And um, it's flat out false, of course. And, of course, God is, except for Jesus Christ coming in a male human body, uh, you know, we don't know, uh, probably God just doesn't have a, in, in the heavenly sense, doesn't have the gender that we do as humans. But as Jesus Christ, we know he came in bodily fashion, and his gender was male, and his chromosomes were of a different type as well. So, Anyway, let's discuss a little bit more about this chapter, and um, let me finish up, though, talking about the last two churches of that one chapter, too. Pergamos. Oh, wait. Let me finish up. I got off track. Talking about Smyrna. Remember, we were talking about martyrdom and persecution were its characteristics, well, Jesus rebukes them, and he says, Have no fear in the midst of tribulation, and be faithful. Uh, so he's exhorting them to be faithful, and he is telling them that if they do that, his promise will be he will give them a crown of life. And some people say, well, is that a real crown? I mean, yes, it probably is, because we see later on in Revelation where people to honor Jesus as their Lord, their Savior, uh, you know, the best thing that's ever happened to them, they throw their crowns down at his feet as an, a symbol of honoring him that they could not be there without him. So it would be a real crown, so a crown of life. I don't know what it looks like, but um, it could be, a, you know, 
like a halo. It could be a real crown like a king has. It could be anything that fits above on the skull or on the head or above the head. And um, anyway, yeah, you'll get that if you persevere and you stay faithful even through a tribulation such as this. Or during that time that they were being persecuted and martyred. Okay, let's look at Pergamos. Pergamos meaning is height, elevation of power. It was the height and elevation of world power at that time. And its characteristics were worldly alliance. And it also had great external growth, meaning it was starting to stretch its muscles a little bit. And the rebuke from Christ or exhortation is you are holding to false doctrines. So he's really getting on to them. He's saying, you're not doing right. You need to return to sound doctrine. And his promise, he says, I will give you hidden manna and a white stone with a new name. So manna, of course, was the heavenly bread in the Bible that God gave to them in plenty. They didn't do anything to get it. They didn't do anything to deserve it. It just fell from heaven. All they had to do was scoop it up and make it into bread. This is when the Israel, the children of Israel escaped Egypt and were in the wilderness. And, of course, wilderness meaning uh, not a bunch of trees and stuff around, meaning it was barren pretty much. Uh, there may have been some trees and, of course, some water, some brooks, but it was pretty desolate and not enough to feed a whole entire nation that were was escaping Egypt. So God blessed them and gave them manna so that they could consume it and it was probably had every nutritional factor in that they needed for their bodies uh, we talk about nutrition these days nutritional supplements eating the right food you know but then again we don't know where the food was grown was there enough minerals in the soil to give that fruit its highest potential we now know after reading scientific studies that those that have selenium in the ecosystem where they live, where the plants can take it up and they can consume the plant, selenium, those people live the longest of anybody on the planet. So if you don't have selenium in your area, then you've got a problem. Same thing for iodine. If you don't have iodine being replenished through food or through salts or other minerals that you intake then you're going to have problems with your thyroid which leads to many many other problems so this manna had everything in it you can imagine and they didn't have to worry about it wouldn't that be great and we're promised that we're going to eat bread and i imagine that it's probably made from manna and i hope they make some pizza dough with it because i can really hope to have pizza you know um in heaven or in the New Jerusalem, which is where we will live, if you become a follower of Christ, if you become a Christian and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you want to secure yourself in eternity by going through that door to eternity, which is basically just putting your trust in Jesus Christ. That's all it is. You're, you, you only are going to depend on him and you rely on his grace his grace, meaning his, his gift, is eternal life. If you will just trust him, trust him to secure your life for eternity, and you turn towards him. 
Well, that's it for now. Till next time, I'm Jesse Carter on the Door to Eternity podcast. And by his grace, I hope you have a good day.